The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we've been moving through these kind of later chapters in Matthew's Gospel, we've been looking at all the parables of the kingdom. Today we look at its primary activity, the primary action of the kingdom of God. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, so this is during Holy Week and you have this increased attack now against the Lord as their hatred for him increases. And so they are relentless in their opposition to Christ. As soon as one group is overcome, they do not go away repentant. They go away with more misguided zeal to come back and attack Christ again. They go away to regroup, recover after their loss, and to come back to the Lord with that malicious hatred that drives them. The Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. These two groups that had been so opposed to each other now become united in their hatred, united in their hatred. Unfortunately, that can often happen even in our, our own times or we are, can be tempted sometimes to unite with other people purely for the sake of a common hatred. That's not the point of unity that we should have. Our point of unity is common love, common love of God and common love of neighbor. That is the real true driving force behind true unity. But they are united in hatred, a uniting hatred that will then extend between not only the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but even between these leaders of the church and the political leaders with Pilate and Herod. They will all become united in their common hatred of Christ. The spirit that drives them I think is hinted at in Matthew's Gospel. This lawyer, it says, who comes to test him or to tempt him. This particular Greek word is used about six times in Matthew's Gospel. And the first time it is used, the one who tests or tempts is the devil. And the one who is tempted in every case is Christ himself. It shows that the spirit by which they are driven is that of the demonic spirit, this spirit which is disbelieving, wicked in its intentions and in its heart. What is, great, what is greatly tragic is that they are the ones who have been set aside in their life to serve God, and yet they are the most active in fighting against him. 
They are the ones who should be preparing the world for the coming Messiah. And when he arrives, they throw everything available in their resources against him. So misguided are they in their hearts, so hardened have their hearts become, and so self-righteous have they become as well. And so the one whom they should love, which is Christ, they come against him and tempt him and test him and cause him suffering. A suffering which is only going to increase, increase from this point on, culminating in his passion and in his death, driven by this same hatred, completely misguided. He has been nothing but good. He has been nothing but loving. His love endures. Unfortunately, so does their hatred. When met with the beauty of Christ, they have an irrational response of hatred towards him because of all of the other attachments in their heart. Because when the Lord comes, who loves completely, that is what he demands back in return, complete love, complete detachment from everything else, and a perfect love. That's what we are called to. And that means that all of the other things have to be let go in the heart. And they are unwilling to let them go. And so this causes them to treat Christ in such a wicked and malicious way. They poke and prod at him constantly, testing him to test his virtue, to test his love. And his love continues to endure. In this scene, we see that hatred and that love as they meet together, opposing one another. The hatred and the malicious intent contained within the hearts of the scribes and the Pharisees is met with perfect, enduring love and mercy in Christ. He could respond to them and say what he said to the devil, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, but he doesn't. He extends to them who can still repent if they will allow his words to pierce their hearts. He extends to them his words. He extends to them his truth repeatedly. He extends to them the hand of mercy, but they continue to slap it back. To this malicious question, which is the greatest of the commandment that comes with an intent to trap the Lord responds directly in truth. You shall love, you shall love. To this heart that is lacking in love, the Lord gives the greatest commandment. You shall love. The word he uses there in the Greek for you is second person singular, you. He's speaking directly to the lawyer who has come to tempt him. He speaks directly to each of us individually. You shall love, I shall love, all of us. He is speaking individually to. And these two great commandments of love is what he is repeatedly showing and manifesting in his life and calling us to the imitation of. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Often in our life, we can get caught in trying to do the minimum necessary in order to please God. What he gives in this commandment is that the minimum is not acceptable. It must be complete, 
love with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul. Bare minimum does not meet the requirements. The requirements are complete love, all-consuming love. That is the mark and the condition of the Christian life. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Not only do we love God and are called to that perfect love of God, but also we are called to love what He loves and to love as He loves, to love our neighbor as ourself, as if our neighbor is ourself, that in a certain sense in loving them we love ourselves, and that that is the condition again of the Christian life, to live in this all-consuming love, this love that meets the cold indifference of hatred, this love that meets the cold uh, ways in which the world continues to persecute the body of Christ in the same way that it persecuted him. But just as the world continues in its activity, so we are called to continue the activity of Christ, that activity of all-consuming love, agape love, self-sacrificing and complete, to move past the bare minimum requirements and to pray for the grace through the power of His Holy Spirit, who is love, that we might love to the same degree that God does. Amen.